0: Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Craft coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM, and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Thursday evening, where we continue our reflections into the Gospel text that we will hear this Sunday, this 30th Sunday in Ordinary Time, where we inch closer and closer to the end of the liturgical year and as we do we should be mindful of what we uh, mean to say when we use the phrase ordinary time huh especially in light of today's figure that comes to us Bartimaeus in today's gospel Bartimaeus receives his sight and in so doing he now has the ability to see earth in light of heaven the material in light of the immaterial time in light of eternity vocation in light of destiny, and certainly the ordinary in light of the super ordinary. So in so many ways, we should enter into that whole mode of living as Bartimaeus saw 2,000 years ago. Because if we do that, our ordinary time will no longer be so ordinary, but super ordinary. As we, like Bartimaeus, begin to see earth in light of heaven, the material in light of the immaterial, time in light of eternity, and vocation in light of destiny. This is really what lies at the heart of our biblical text this evening. And it really is a joy for me to be able to come to you this evening and reflect with you, wherever you may be and however you may be accessing uh, this podcast, if you're not hearing this on uh, Thursday, October 22nd, huh? I know there are many listeners out there who are tuning in by way of podcast, beyond just the uh, city and state borders here in Chico, California, but also outside the country. And it really is an honor for me to journey with you so as to better understand the Christian and Catholic faith, especially, especially on Thursdays as it comes to us from Sacred Scripture. My dear friends, any and everything we believe in as Christians and Catholics— is rooted in sacred scripture. Every doctrine, at least in seed form, can be found in sacred scripture. So um, all very important. If you have any questions, uh, thoughts, comments, observations about whatever you hear this evening or any evening, please do not hesitate to email me at jholljmj at yahoo.com or you can go to my website at joeholcraft.org just hit the contact link button there and send your email on its way. I really do enjoy uh, your questions, uh, and I know they are many, so please uh, do not hesitate to send me whatever is on your heart. Okay, with that, let us get into the gospel text. We are in the gospel of Mark, right? The gospel of Mark chapter 10 verses 46 to 52. Mark chapter 10 verses 46 to 52. And Jesus and his disciples came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, rise, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Master, Let me receive my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed him on the way. Mm, Beautiful. So here we have in today's reading: Mark telling the story of our Lord's encounter with Bartimaeus, a blind man and a beggar, huh? We know that Jesus had made up to this point the long and arduous journey down the desert valley from Galilee in the north. We know that he was on his way to Jerusalem, which would have been, by the way, my friends, a daunting climb from an oasis on the desert floor to the hills of Judea. Sometimes we kind of forget about those practical things. And so, as Jesus passed through Jericho, we know that Bartimaeus heard the din of the crowd and knew that the chance of a lifetime was within his grasp. Bartimaeus was not about to miss this opportunity. And so what did we read? But from the roadside he began to cry out, Jesus son of David have mercy on me. And what's so striking about this is that some people in Jesus's entourage were embarrassed to have this dirty rude beggar bother the master. And they actually attempted to silence him. I mean, what would have they been embarrassed about, huh? Bartimaeus was simply trying to engage the culture around him and let the people know that he too had a right to see Jesus, huh? If individuals in the crowd had heard the rumors about our Lord's healing powers, Jesus' healing powers, wouldn't they be kind to this poor beggar and bring him to Jesus for healing. What's going on here? Something to think about, huh? How do we do that? <laughs> As the story is told, Bartimaeus would not be denied, and neither would Jesus. As the shouts of the beggar reached his ears, what does Jesus do? He, he brushes aside the restraints of his disciples, and he calls out to the blind man. And what does the blind man do? Bartimaeus threw off his cloak and drew near to that welcoming voice, which responded to his pleas with what question? What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? Think about it. Here you have this poor blind man crying out, begging, and upon encountering our Lord, our Lord's question is, what do you want me to do for you? should we not, like the blind man, go to our Lord, impoverished in spirit, clinging to him, crying out to him, Lord, have mercy on me. Oh, and how sweet it is to hear those words that Bartimaeus heard. What do you want me to do for you? he offers that same question to us my friends what is it that you want me to do for you all we have to do is let him know right (laughs) as bartimaeus did my teacher let me see again and bartimaeus did see not just with his eyes but more importantly with his heart Though Bartimaeus was blind to many things, he clearly saw who Jesus is. Seeing who Jesus is, ultimately, my dear friends, is the goal of faith, is it not? Which consequently leads to what? Discipleship. At the end of the story, what do we read? At the end of the story, Bartimaeus, after regaining his sight, followed Jesus on the way given that the very next verse, and Mark narrates the entry into Jerusalem, we can be certain that Bartimaeus followed Jesus on the way to the cross. A most fascinating encounter that we have between our Lord and Bartimaeus. He experiences our Lord's healing touch in light of his faith, and he follows him. This is what happens when we have that personal encounter with Jesus Christ, and we know it is real. We follow him. We do whatever it is that he asks us to do. We don't condition our response to something. If he says, follow me, we follow him. We don't say, um, wait up, Jesus. I have something I need, to, I need to go do first. Let me check my calendar. No, we don't do that. When he says, follow me, we follow. We don't condition our response according to what we think we need or what we think we know. Our Lord knows best. So when he says, follow me, we follow him. And when he says, do this, we do it. And when he says, do that, we do it. Why? Because this is what he has asked of us. Now, many of us know that compassion for the outcast was a hallmark of Jesus's ministry and healing stories in the Gospels never seem to be simply a reversal of physical misfortune. And the stories of those who once were blind, but now they see. The connections between uh, seeing and believing are so strong that these miracles worked by Jesus are more about growing in faith than letting the scales of blindness fall away. It is clear. <laughs> that disciples of Jesus have vision problems. I mean, how often do we use the metaphor of blindness to describe our inability to grasp the meaning of the suffering we endure? Sometimes we describe our blindness as an inability to see the forest from the trees. But that is a rather uh, simplistic analysis. More worrisome is the inherited blindness, which so often assumes that there are no lessons left to learn. This is why arrogance is very often the root of our blindness. My dear friends, we need the miracle of restored sight each and every day. There's a great danger today in studying the Christian and Catholic faith at any level to assume that we have, quote-unquote, arrived. Maybe we have letters next to our name. Maybe we are called teacher, professor doctor, whatever it might be, don't put your letters before your name. Why? Because as our Lord's disciple, as our Lord's pupil, we are always learning. And as Pope Francis has been keen to remind us on more than one occasion, the study of the Christian in Catholic faith, the study of theology, the study of philosophy must always start on bending knee. If we are going to understand the Word of God. If we are going to be able to preach the Word of God, good understanding and good preaching always starts on bended knee. If you think you have it all figured out and you are not praying about what you are studying and you are not praying about what you are preaching about, then my dear friends, it will fail. Any and every good teacher of the faith is only as good as he allows the Holy Spirit to inspire him to teach. Don't be blind. Learn from Bartimaeus. Learn from Bartimaeus. You know this topic of sight should have us thinking more critically about what more can we do in the context of life and death, huh? Over recent months, many of us have been introduced to the horror of abortion, huh? Evil incarnate, evil in our midst. We know abortion as the most serious wound inflicted not only on individuals and their families who should provide the sanctuary for life, but inflicted as well on society and its culture by the very people who ought to be society's promoters and defenders of life. You know, today is October 22nd, huh? Thursday, October 22nd, which means it's John Paul II's feast day, right? St. John Paul II. He wrote a wonderful document on the gospel of life, Evangelium Vitae, on the gospel of life. And I wanted to read something from this document to you, especially as it relates to abortion. I was reading this earlier, and it just struck me. This is John Paul II. I would like to say a special word to women who have had an abortion. The church is aware of the many factors which may have influenced your decision, and she does not doubt that in many cases it was a painful and even shattering decision. The wound in your heart may not yet have healed. Certainly, what happened was and remains terribly wrong. But do not give in to discouragement and do not lose hope. Try rather to understand what happened and face it honestly. If you have not already done so, give yourselves over with humility and trust to repentance the Father of mercies is ready to give you his forgiveness and his peace in the sacrament of reconciliation. You will come to understand that nothing is definitely lost, and you will also be able to ask forgiveness from your child who is now living in the Lord. With the friendly and expert help and advice of other people, and as a result of your own painful experience, you can be among the most eloquent defenders of everyone's right to life through your commitment to life whether by accepting the birth of other children or by welcoming and caring for those most in need of someone to be close to them you will become promoters of a new way of looking at human life evangelium vitae paragraph 99 i read that and i was just moved deeply by it my dear friends, there are thousands of little ones who will never have the chance to see as Bartimaeus saw here on earth. But be rest assured, they are crying out. Do we hear them? Worse yet, are we trying to silence them? Huh? What are we doing? You know, many of us have been recently moved because of these uh, videos that have been coming out. And hopefully, that movement, that stirring within, is leading to something. Maybe you are starting a prayer group. Maybe you are praying in front of uh, Planned Parenthood and or other abortion clinics. Maybe you are speaking now on this topic of abortion, this topic of being pro-life, this topic of seeing earth in light of heaven, the material in light of the immaterial time in light of eternity, and vocation in light of destiny. Maybe now you are talking about the importance of what it means to be pro-life. And certainly, while there is a clear (laughs) and moral priority to defend the defenseless in the womb, being pro-life also includes a number of other things that we should also be thinking about that we should also see, see, for what they are. Genocide, euthanasia, self-mutilation, torments inflicted on body or mind, attempts to coerce the will itself. Whatever might be insulting the dignity of each and every human person, maybe subhuman living conditions, arbitrary imprisonment, prostitution, the selling of women and children. We can go on and on. Are we seeing things for what they are versus what they are not? Again, to defend the defenseless in the womb, yes, there is a priority there, and be clear on that, especially in light of the thousands and thousands that are being aborted every day. But we must also see the importance of being pro-life, Beyond the womb. Why? Because there is chaos, destruction everywhere around us. In so many ways, we can say that being pro-life is one of the deepest expressions of our baptism. We stand up as sons and daughters of the light, clothed in humility and charity, filled with conviction, speaking the truth to power with firmness, conviction and determination, and never losing sight of that joy and hope that comes with having faith in Jesus Christ. Being pro-life is not an activity for a political party or a particular side of the spectrum or one particular denomination. Brothers and sisters, it is an obligation for everyone, and if we're going to use political terms, left, right, center, progressive, liberal, Republican, Democrat, whatever you identify with, my dear friends, we have been given the gift of freedom. And to be free is to choose, and to choose is to follow Christ. And that's what Bartimaeus teaches us today, all of course in light of faith. If we are pro-life, we must engage the culture around us and see others as Jesus does. And we must love them to life, even those who are opposed to us, even those who are opposed to us, right? Take that one person that you find so difficult to be around— And that's the person Jesus is calling you to love. Wow, don't do that, Joe. That's too hard. That's too difficult. That's the person that Jesus is calling you to love. Or maybe it's a person that you wouldn't typically be around, but it's just a figure that you don't agree with, a political figure you don't agree with, or an actor or actress for one reason or another that disgusts you. I don't know. But that's the person that God is calling you to love. Why? Because again, love is unconditional. Unconditional love, my dear friends, is simply a love that is not conditioned to what we think. Love means to will the good of the other, and willing the good of the other means that we will do whatever it takes to will the good for that person. Okay, now, as we recognize the things that blind us from the Lord, and the things that paralyze us from effective action. Let us never cease begging the Lord to heal us, that we, like Bartimaeus, may say, Lord, I want to see. And when our vision is restored, let us get up to follow him joyfully on the way to the kingdom, mindful that this is going to include the cross. This is a point that should not far from us, that Bartimaeus would have followed him to the cross. And so should we. And so should we. Okay, I was going through some notes earlier, and there's a wonderful uh, prayer for sight that comes to us from a church father by the name of Origen. If you have been following Monday evening's program, The Great Christian Thinker's uh, we talked about him some months ago. Origen, he is a great uh, scholar of biblical theology, and he spent a lot of time reflecting into the Gospels, and in his writings, you find these inspired prayers. Well, this is his prayer for sight, and we will go ahead and close with this prayer uh, from Origen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. May the Lord Jesus touch our eyes as he did those of the blind. Then we shall begin to see invisible things, those which are invisible. May he open our eyes to gaze not on present realities, but on the blessings to come. May he open the eyes of our heart to contemplate God in spirit, through Jesus Christ the Lord, to whom belong power and glory through all eternity. Amen.